Hi guys. Uh, I think we just need to do a collective groan really quickly because as you probably know, this has been a shitty week. We found out on Monday that the Supreme Court is threatening to overturn Roe v. Wade, which was the landmark Supreme Court case that essentially ruled that state regulation of abortion was unconstitutional and gave us the right to abortion at a federal level. It feels weird, you know, like it feels like all these people, predominantly white men, are condemning a decision that is so deeply personal and, at least in my case, was a hard decision to make in the first place. And then to feel like people are condemning it or that in some people's minds I might be a bad person or an evil person or even a murderer is kind of crazy. You know, it's just – it's heavy. It's really, really heavy. It just feels shitty. I mean, I've felt every different emotion this week. I wake up feeling differently like every day. You know, Tuesday I woke up feeling angry. Wednesday, I woke up feeling sad and kind of ashamed. And the truth is, I feel like there isn't room for that and when it comes to abortions in in this scenario. Meaning, I feel like we have to fight so hard and we have to say, like, my ability to choose saved my life or my ability to choose helped me make the best decision of my life. And There isn't room for that and. And there's a big and in my story. I think it feels this way for all women or all people whose right to abortion is being threatened, and especially for those of us who have had one. And at least in my case, was such a hard decision to make. Um, So this week, naturally, I wanted to release my abortion episode again. I've gotten so so, so many responses from this episode of women connecting with me and telling me their story. And there are people that even the day I released it were going to have an abortion that day or their little sister was going to that day. And God, I cannot even tell you how much those messages meant to me and still mean to me. I feel so connected to all of you guys in this issue, and I appreciate so much that you guys have let me be so open about it because it was truly one of the hardest things I've ever – I mean, probably the hardest thing. I don't know. You can't measure those things, but it was an impossible situation and is something that still gets to me. Like I said, it's still triggering. I had a pregnancy scare again, like somewhat recently. I went to the gynecologist and she was like, wow, your lining is thick. I want to give you a pregnancy test. And my feet were in the stirrups and, you know, the wand was up there. And I had like another panic attack. And if you listen to this story or if you have in the past, you know that I wasn't allowed to be put under for my procedure because my doctor was afraid that by calling an anesthesiologist, his reputation would be damaged because the the anesthesiologist would tell other people in the medical world that he was performing an abortion and he didn't want people to know. So I am too privileged and have too much access, yet finding someone that would actually give me an abortion was quite literally impossible. And even this doctor who is, you know, the doctor to many celebrities and seems to be as liberal as they come. 
was so deeply ashamed to be performing this procedure on me. So that shame was completely imprinted on me, of course, because I felt like, God damn, I must be this evil person for even asking this man to perform this surgery that is so deeply shameful, I guess. But I just, from a moral place, like can't understand why people would want to restrict this choice, you know? And and so I want to fight and I want to scream. But then there's a part of me that still hurts, you know? There's a part of me that still is kept up at night because I worry that my choice to get an abortion will somehow hinder my ability to get pregnant in the future, you know? And rationally, I know that's not true. And when I talk to my therapist about it, she says I'm crazy. Well, she doesn't say I'm crazy. But you know what I mean? Like, I know that one plus one does not equal two necessarily. But it's hard to fight for something sometimes that you're still so hurt by. And just from top to bottom, I cannot even imagine what it is like for people with no access, less access, black and brown people. It has always, always, always been harder for black and brown people to have access to abortions. There have been bigger obstacles, just less information, less resources, less access, period. So for me, who's white and privileged to have all these obstacles myself, I cannot even imagine. While since Roe v. Wade, we have had the right to an abortion, the government has never made it easy for us to have access to these abortions. There have always been huge obstacles in the way of us getting abortions. It's very hard. I mean, I think some people, you know, just walk into Planned Parenthood and get a pill and walk out. And that is, thank fucking God, thank God that people can do that. Thank God that women have had that experience. I've seen so many memes like, where are all the men and blah, blah, blah. And you don't even understand the frustration I have with that. Because for every woman who's had an abortion, there's a man who's benefited from it. Period. End of story. But for other people, it's not that easy. And I think there's a whole population of people that we forget about in this issue And that's the world of people whose lives were at risk and would have ended had they not had an abortion. Like, this is so literally a health issue in so many ways. Like, my friend who had an ectopic pregnancy that would have never, ever, ever, ever survived or been viable, and her life was at risk. In her mind, she wanted this baby more than anything. You know, it wasn't a decision in her mind. It was life or death. She was like, okay, I guess my doctor needs to save my life right now. And yet, on her medical bill, when she got it back two months later, it said, requested abortion. You know, so her medical records read the same as mine, which is really interesting. Where in in my situation, I mean, not that it fucking matters why anyone gets an abortion, but I think that it's important for me to mention my reasoning, if you can even call it that, because... I think that we as people who have had abortions feel this deep need to justify it, to say like, I would have died if I hadn't had one or something like that. But the truth is, you can have an abortion for any fucking reason that you want. And there is no shame. I'm telling you like I'm trying to tell myself the same thing. Trust me. And that's why I think it's important for me to share my reasoning. And my reasoning was that I was a dumb 21-year-old. Some people aren't dumb at 21. I was. And I hadn't finished college. And I wasn't familiar enough with the world myself to welcome someone else into it. 
I was in no position to raise a child. I hadn't graduated college. Me and my boyfriend, we didn't have jobs. Like, we were still in school. Like, there was just no question that I, I couldn't keep the child. I mean, of course, I could have made it work, I suppose. And that reasoning still haunts me. And it's so toxic that I even think about that. But I knew in my soul there was no real decision, even though everyone kind of made it seem like there was one. I'm afraid that people will say, well, if it was so traumatic, don't you wish you'd never done it? And there's not one single part of me that wishes I'd never done it. Imagine me having a seven-year-old right now, guys. I mean, you listen to this show. Jesus Christ. Like, thank God I was able to have an abortion because I just was in no position to raise a child at that time. And I'm so grateful that I was allowed, allowed, it sounds so stupid, but I'm so grateful that I had the access and the ability and that I had a mom that talked about abortion so freely in our house growing up and that it was never a taboo word. But boy, do I know that other people are not as lucky. And like the damage and the trauma from my situation that can be looked at as so easy compared to other people's. It was so hard. I still think about it in the middle of the night sometimes. And I woke up on Tuesday morning after the news had leaked that night, and I was like so angry. But as hard as it is, you know, and how much I struggle with the physical trauma and the weird flavor of grief that it's left me with, I'm like, fuck, if I can't tell my story, who can? So here is my story again. And please, please, please reach out if any of it resonates with you. I just would love to hear your thoughts and connect with you because we got to fight this fight. And I'm going to plan something in L.A. I was thinking about it a lot because I was like, we need to protest. We need to, like, get be louder than ever because I think the reason that they leaked these papers in the first place from the Supreme Court is because someone believes that maybe their decision will be swayed by public outrage. So we need to show them that we're outraged. We need to get out there and protest in March. But then I was thinking about myself and I was like, I don't know. There's a part of me that feels like we need something else in addition. I've been connecting some people on my Instagram, like the people that have appointments to have an abortion and are maybe like too afraid because it's such a hot topic issue right now. Like imagine having to get an abortion today, tomorrow, while the whole country is on fire with this issue. That would be terrifying. So I've been trying to connect people with people that will drive them and bring them snacks and even stand outside so they don't have to deal with those stupid protesters. But I feel like we need a healing circle. You know, in addition to a protest, I'm trying to organize some sort of solidarity gathering where we can just show up and we can address like the yin side of us, the side that needs community and healing, that feminine side of us that might not be healed by protesting. I think we need to make room for the and in this story and know that people can want to fight and be angry, but can also be grieving that decision and can be still affected psychologically by it. There's room for both. You know, you can believe that you made the right decision, but also feel like it was the hardest decision of your life. But we have the right to make that decision, you know? So anyway... I love you guys. And if you're feeling shitty this week, I am so with you. And I would love to talk to you about it anytime. So here is my abortion story for anyone who needs it 
please, please pass it along if you think it could help another woman in your life. And thank you guys so much for listening and letting me talk about this. I appreciate it more than you know. I don't know if you ever feel like telling this story. Like, I don't know that any day that I'm really gung-ho about like, let's talk about my abortion. But I'm going to just tell my abortion story on today's episode. So, of course, I want to start with like a trigger warning, right? That's where we should start. My incredible producer, Catherine, and I are going to basically walk down a very weird memory lane, but just Mm -hmm. tell the story of my abortion and kind of the ripple effect that it had on my life. And it's one woman's experience. It's just my experience. Quite frankly, that's all I have. I can't promise that your story will be like mine, but if you see yourself in my story, I would really, you know, love to connect with you. I've already loved connecting with everyone that's reached out since I posted about my abortion a few weeks ago on Instagram. So if you want a more Spark Notes version or you want just a shorter version or you'd rather read it, you can just scroll down on my Instagram. It's there. It's a picture of like Converse and then you'll find the story. So like when I was thinking about telling this story today, I mean, thank God I have you, Catherine, because like telling the story as a one man show is difficult. Yeah, I'm here. Because when I was thinking of telling the story, it's like, God, you know, you think like you're over something and then you have to like talk about it at length and you're like, wow, that feels heavy. That feels like kind of like pushing a boulder up a hill. And -hmm. then I was kind of like, you know, that's probably how a lot of my guests feel before we start an interview or before, you know, I start making them unearth their traumas and mistakes Mm -hmm. and shame spirals and times in life they'd probably rather forget. It feels heavy to like revisit times in your life. But when... I think about those moments before therapy where, like, I'd rather do anything than show up for this. Like, I I mean, how much is she going to charge me to cancel? Those moments are, I mean, those times, like, the therapy that happens after that feeling, I often have, like, the biggest breakthroughs. Or we unearth some trauma yeah. that I, you know, didn't realize existed or... I just feel like those times where you feel that resistance, but you like feel also compelled at the same time, maybe in some small way to like Mm -hmm. talk. I I feel like you should lean in and not everyone has to share their abortion story on a podcast. But for me, it just feels like if someone can see themselves in my story and feel less alone than one person, then it's worth it, honestly, for me. Like I remember listening I can't even remember the podcast name honestly but I listened to a podcast just because I'd read somewhere that they were sharing people's abortion stories so I clicked a random one and it was just a random girl like she was just you know not like a celebrity that was coming out about an abortion or anything and I just saw like so much of her story was like mine it was so different from mine but like a lot of the feelings and emotions and stigmatization and all of the you know the shame and all of that But yeah, I listened to her story and I really felt different. I felt like, okay, wow, I wasn't crazy for feeling so devastated by this. Someone else felt that way. Because, you know, some people don't feel devastated. So like if, like I said, if you don't see yourself in my story, like I hope this is the first of many abortion episodes that we'll have and multiple people can share their stories because we're kind of in a shitty situation right now as far as, you know, politics go, which we won't really get into, but we're kind of under attack, all of us who have ever had an abortion and all of us who will ever need an abortion. Yeah. So this feels like a more important time than ever to 
tell my story and thank you for doing this with me because I'm so glad I don't have to just (laughs) tell the story at length. But yeah, this might be triggering for some people. So I know for me, what's so weird is that I still can't watch abortions on shows. Like Mm. in Euphoria, there was an episode and in some TV shows and in some movies, there will be an abortion scene. And I have a weirdness about it. Like it's still to this day. Is it is it the actual like seeing them in the room or is it even like the feeling of being in the waiting room? Or like I feel like those are the scenes you see so often. Yeah. So when they get in the waiting room and I know it's coming, it's just this heaviness that I kind of feel just like, oh yeah. God, okay, like how deep are they gonna go? Are they gonna make the sound? Are they gonna cause because I'll get into it, like I was awake for mine. Yeah. So like so much mm-hmm. of it is very vivid for me. And I had like mm-hmm. my first panic attack right before. So it's mm. super – it's there. You know what I mean? I remember Yeah. It. It's physical. It's a fit, like totally. a, almost a muscle memory. Totally. But it's weird that I can like tell the story and I still feel it to some extent. It still feels like – I said in my Instagram post, it f- still feels like I'm choking like every time I admit I've had one. But it's weird even to me that I have such a weirdness about it. Like I'll try to peek and then I just find myself closing my eyes. Like I just don't like to watch it. It's yeah. weird. So yeah, okay, let's get in let's get into the good stuff. <laughs> I mean, listen, if you can't laugh about some of the worst things for like, fuck's sake, you just die. You have to laugh about it. There were some funny moments throughout this tragic event too. And it, you know yeah. what I mean? I don't know. I have such perspective about it now, but I'm excited to get into it. I can do it. We It'll be cathartic. Yeah. And uh, so how many years out are you from this experience? It's a great question. I am this was 2015. 2015. Okay. Yeah. So like six years out. Yeah, October of 2015. Yeah, six and a half Oh my years God, out. that's crazy. That's crazy. It feels like more recent than that. Right? Yeah. So have I ever told you this story before? No. No, not in detail. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So basically, so it was 2015. I was a senior in college and Dylan and I were dating and he was out of college and we'd see each other like we saw each other a lot. I'll be honest. We saw each other a lot, like, between, like, the week, you know, I'd go home all the time, and we were, like, it was, we'd only been dating for, like, a year and a half, so we were very hot and heavy and had to see each mm-hmm. other all the time. I was on birth control, funnily enough, which mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know what you should do with your ovaries and what you should do as far as birth control, but whatever. I'm just telling my story again. This is how it happened yeah. for me. So I was on my sugar pills or whatever those pills are that you are supposed to, like, get your period on. Also, the fact that I was, like, 21 years old and like very fertile um and you know the end of that story so uh-huh yeah so we had sex you know blah 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 <laughs> anyway so are you gonna tell us how babies are exactly made? i literally that? was about to get into it you, you, you got it <laughs> so then i remember there was a weekend of like as you know if you listen to this podcast i love being in bed we all know mm-hmm. it we, i love a nap i you know whatever I'm depressed, goddammit, okay? So, but it was weird. Like, most weekends I was, like, with my friends and, like, you know, lounging around with them, but still, like, doing stuff and, like, not sleeping. Like, there was this one weekend where I just could not keep my eyes open. I wasn't smoking weed. Like, I was just tired. Like, I just couldn't. I was, like, napping for eight hours of the day, just waking up for food. Like, so fucking tired. And I was like, okay, that's weird. So then I got my ass up because I was like, I've been in a daze for three days and it was like Monday and I did Pilates with my friends and I remember it being like harder than anything I've ever done. And I mean, it was hard. 
I'm, I'm not really athletically gifted. <laughs> I'm not athletically inclined. But when we were walking back, so it was like walking distance from our apartment where we all lived, I like dropped to my knees, like being so faint. Like I was like, oh my God, mm. like I, my, I'm so lightheaded. And I was like, that's kind of weird. I've never done that before. Whatever. Moved on. Kept walking. I got back up to my apartment and I sat on the couch and I got up again and I felt really dizzy again. Like, and I usually feel like I'm, I have low blood pressure. So I like tend to like, when I stand up, I feel dizzy, but this was different. This was like, yeah. whoa, I have to sit down again. Usually it just mm. takes me a second to like shake my head and then get back to it. But I was like, whoa, okay. I have to like, I have to fully sit down. Yeah. So that was weird. And something in me that I still, I swear to God, I can't explain to you. I don't know what in me made me take a test. And a huh. lot of women will say that, like, you kind of know in some capacity, but that's obviously case by case. But I think there was something in me, and it was random. And the only reason I had a pregnancy test was because my mom kept them in a, like, she had, like, a medicine cabinet growing yeah. up that was, like, stocked with, like, everything that teenagers might need and be, like, embarrassed. You know, she was very, like, progressive. So my mom always had pregnancy job, tests in her toiletry area. So, like, I was like, okay, if I, when I go to college and make my own home, I'm going to have a pregnancy test because yeah. whatever. I always kept one. Yeah. And I never yeah. in a million years thought I would need it in a million, you know, other than to, like, soothe my anxieties about, you know, like, that everyone has every month. <laughs> right. So whatever. I went to my bathroom and I took the test. And my best friend was still with me that I went to Pilates with. Okay. And we were in college, so peeing like she, there were no ba- you know what I mean. No, we, so she no. just walks we into all my pee room. In front of each other. Yeah, she yeah. walks into my bathroom. She's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Because I went in yeah. silence. It's one of those things you can't talk about. Like I didn't want to like consult. I just like got up from the couch and just took the test. It was a yeah. very weird moment. Well, and it's it's interesting that you say like something and you just told you because like fainting or like feeling faint. That's not the first thing you think of when you think of like typical pregnancy symptoms. Not at all. As far as I was concerned, I was like protected. So that was weird. Okay. So my best friend follows me into the bathroom and I pee. I put it on the the counter and I walk into my closet and she's like, what Mm -hmm. are you doing? And I was like, I have to take this test. And I walk into my closet because like I can't bear like three minutes just like, oh my God, felt like an an eternity. And I was in my closet and she, you know, it's so funny in college, like you, like I said, there are no boundaries. Like you are right. so enmeshed in each other's lives. Like she's watching the test for me as if it's like, you know, <laughs> so, you know, something that we took together. You know, it's so yeah. she's watching the test for as me. As if she's the father. Right, exactly. <laughs> Let's take a quick break and we will be right back. So I'm sitting in my closet, like I'm just trying to like distract myself and go through clothes or something. And I'll never forget, it was like straight out of Juno or something. I said to her, if you say it's fucking positive, I'm going to punch you in the face. Like, you know what I mean? Only something that a 21-year-old yeah. like would right. say to their, like, I was just like so obviously terrified. And so uh-huh. she, like in the shakiest voice, was like, um, Jade. And I just like knew. And I went in there and I was like, okay, wow. And I just, I just felt numb. I just felt like what the fuck just happened? Mm-hmm. Like the most sober I've ever felt in my life. I just was floored and 
she like walked me to my bed and it, like mm-hmm. it was very it was dramatic but like i it was just i couldn't believe it like i just mm-hmm. my, and and i didn't know where to begin i didn't know what to think about first like who do i tell first do i tell my mom do i tell dylan like i was at this very fragile age between adulthood and childhood so yeah. it was like funny that i had that feeling like do I call my boyfriend or, you know, what's he going to do? He doesn't know a doctor, like, you know, so I'm going to call my mom. And and, I, and I'm and i sure there were other thoughts, too, about, like, what does this mean for my relationship? Because as, you know, at a year and a half, you're, like, together together. And it's like, well, is this going to destroy us? Like, probably. In most cases, I think it would. Totally. And just your whole reality shifts. You're mm. like, oh, I'm not alone in here anymore. That's what it feels like. Like, it truly feels like, uh, okay, party of two, like, inside me now. Like, it feels like, I, that's the only way I can describe it. It feels very reality shifting. Like, all of a sudden, you're wondering, all your friends are like, okay, let's order sushi tonight. It's your favorite. And I'm sitting there like, oh, well, you're probably not supposed to eat sushi when you're pregnant. But I had no intention of keeping this baby. Yeah. I had to graduate college the following semester. And I, you know probably couldn't have done so maybe if i were Mm -hmm. superwoman which some women are but in my world i couldn't have done that and i just wasn't ready like i really just wasn't familiar enough with the world myself to bring someone into it and you know there's a lot of things to be said about that that decision and it's really hard but i called my mom you know immediately and (laughs) <laughs> so stupid now, but I remember, I was like, how, what the fuck do I say? She's like, how are you? You know, she's having a great day. <laughs> and so I was like, mom, um, I'm having a Papa Don't Preach moment, which doesn't make any sense because in Papa Don't Preach, she's keeping the baby. But I just, that's the only way I couldn't say, I couldn't say the words, you know, I could, I just couldn't say I'm pregnant, yeah. you know? Yeah. I was like laying in my bed, like my, all the blood drained out of me. Like I just, I, I couldn't say it. So my mom was like, well, have you taken another test? And I was like, okay, uh, no, no, I haven't moved since, you know, since I took the last one. And so, you know, luckily a lot of pregnancy boxes or whatever tests come with two. So we took Mm -hmm. another, that one was positive. I still have the pictures of them. How weird is that? Like, I still have the pictures of the pregnancy. I have pictures of everything from that time. I don't know what, what compelled me, but so if you did that too, you're not weird. So I took the next test and my mom was like, well, can you go to the nearest hospital and like have them check you out? Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would like tell my daughter to do that in the future, but I understand why she did. It's more like definitive and like those tests could have been old and I don't know. I think she just wanted something. Also, what the fuck else was I supposed to do? You know, like I I watch a movie, you know, I I was like, okay, yeah, that felt actionable. That felt like, okay, Mm -hmm. I could have some control in some way like okay if i just go to the doctor maybe they'll tell me i'm not you know so i went in my um budweiser sweatpants uh to miami southern baptist hospital and i went in there my best friend was in like a disheveled ensemble as well and we're like um i think i'm pregnant like it was just an insane insane experience going to that but can i tell you the fucking craziest thing ever Whatever they tell me, I'm pregnant. I go into. I was. We we were there all day. We were there for mm. eight hours. Like they, because I went to urgent care, so like there were people bleeding that like went for you know what I mean or like yeah. So there were people that had priority over like a girl that needed a pregnancy test and whatever. Yeah. I feel like they could have had you pee on a stick while someone was totally while they were helping someone. Well, who they was gave bleeding. me an ultrasound. 
They oh, gave, shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. They gave me an ultrasound, took my blood, and the doctor was like, well, you're pregnant. My best friend's sitting there with me. It was like the funny... It, I wish someone had filmed. I mean, I don't, obviously, but it was right. so... It's so comical, like, looking back, me and my best friend looking there, like, dumb and dumber, sitting there like... He's like, yeah, you're pregnant. And I'm like, okay. And he tells me, like, how far along I was and just, like, a few weeks. And he said, so the thing is, you... Honestly, I'm going to butcher this, and it's something that I'll clarify when I get a, a solid answer, but I have to get a certain shot because Dylan, like, whatever the blood type of the fetus, like, didn't play well in the sandbox with, like, my blood type. So it's a Rogam shot, and it's basically a shot that they give you when they find out you're pregnant and you have a negative blood type and your baby or the fetus has a positive blood type. So if you didn't get this shot, your body would develop Rh antibodies because your body would think that the fetus was a disease or something foreign that it needed to attack and protect you from, essentially. So I was like, fuck, okay, like, what do I say? Like, do I need this shot? Like, I've never heard of someone getting a shot, like, when they find out they're pregnant. Mm -hmm. Like, this is really, where's my mom? You know, I'm panicking. Yeah. And I just want to get out of there. I just want to go home. Like, I want to just take the first flight out and go to LA. Like, I just need to leave and do something about this. Like, I Mm -hmm. I just couldn't sit there being pregnant and, like, living my life doing anything normally. So I almost left, but I, the nurses came in. And they were like, oh, we're going to move you to this other room. And I, I, when, we, when we got to that room, I was like, hey, guys, like, how do I put this gently? No, I was just like, I, I don't really intend on keeping this baby. So do I really need th- – I said, is the shot meant to protect me or to protect the baby? Like, will I yeah, get sick if I – that's a really good question. But I was like, I don't really know what you're supposed to do. No, but you – I mean, you were logically weighing your options and frankly, like – to be in that position and being told by an authority figure, this is what you need, it's actually really impressive that you were able to, like, ask that question. Yeah, and I was just like, is it going to make it harder? In some capacity, I probably was saying, is it going to make it harder for me to get an abortion? Am I going to die if I don't get this? You know, right. like, is this, like, going to yeah. hurt me? So I told those two nurses, I was like, I don't fully intend on keeping this baby. And it was an insane thing to say, but like the look on their faces, it was just like I told them Santa wasn't real. You know, it was was like they could not believe that I just said it out loud. I mean, I couldn't believe that I said it out loud. And they were like, well, uh, the doctor told us to give you this shot, but like we can write down that you refused it. And, like, to yeah. a 21-year-old, that sounds very – like, who's, like, naturally afraid like of authority. Bad. Yeah, I was yeah. just like, oh, God. Well, like, anything a doctor's – I've been the most overdoctored person. I grew up in L.A. Hello. Yeah. I do whatever a doctor tells me. I'm the biggest hypochondriac ever. So I got the shot, and I went on my merry way. We just, like, kind of left the hospital and probably went to McDonald's, and I went on the next flight out to L.A., But what's so crazy about that story is, you know, obviously it was so traumatic to make a decision. And like the first time I tried to use my voice being met with such judgment and shock and horror almost like made me just like compounded the shame that I was already feeling. I just felt like I can't believe I let this happen. And instantly, even when I called, oh, by the way, I called my boyfriend right after I called my mom. And he was, you know, obviously like he was 23 years old. He's like, what'd your mom say? You know? He was (laughs) the best during the whole situation. Like, honestly, I knew after I met him, but like, I was like, okay, we can do the hard shit together because he was unbelievable. What's interesting about the hospital story is that recently 
I was like going over my credit score and there was a ding on my credit score. I don't really know the financial terms of it. (laughs) But I was like, that's weird. What is it? You know, I was like, that seems really weird. No one's ever like told me I have an outstanding balance or, you know, whatever. So I think all my I's are dotted and my T's are crossed. But my business manager was going to look into it for me and get back to me. So this was like a year ago. And I was like, what the fuck is that? We're both like going back and forth being like, what could that be? And she called me. Honestly, it was probably two weeks before I posted on Instagram about it because I was really feeling like, you know, like that it had been enough time that I was feeling like whole again. Like I was feeling like more on top of the situation. Anyway, it was just great timing, honestly. It was Mm -hmm. kind of magical timing. But she called me and she was like, Jade, such great news. We found out what that ding was. And not only that, we found out how much the fee is. And she was like, did you go to Miami Southern Baptist Hospital in 2015? Because you have an outstanding balance of $858. Don't worry, I'll never forget that number. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, oh, my God. And, like, I'm the queen of oversharing. So, of course, I told my business manager I had an abortion. I was like – because I I know that I left in a tizzy. Like, there was no Mm. part of – and also, I had never been to a doctor that didn't have my – like, my mom hadn't called and gave my insurance, you know? So I was like – I just left. And I was like, "What? I mean, I'm not staying. I'm bouncing. Like, I need to get on the first flight out of here. But it was just a really crazy moment that I couldn't believe. And it was really poetic – that it happened that way. We paid that off and my credit score went back to normal. And it was just this kind of resolution that I didn't know I needed. And it was a nice moment being like, this has haunted me for so long, even down to like mm-hmm. a financial way. Yeah. You know, that it felt so nice to be like free from it. Mm-hmm. So that's little, Jade's little credit score. Happy story. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but anyway, so I flew back to L.A., And my mom took me to the gynecologist that had actually birthed me, which is funny. I was like, I haven't seen you in 21 years, but here I am pregnant. And just from the jump, it was whispers and hushed tones Uh and shame inducing, you Mm -hmm. know, every aspect of it, every conversation, um, nothing was like, it's going to be okay. Don't worry. Everything was, I felt so burdensome. I felt Mm -hmm. like oh my God, like my mom and my sister and my boyfriend who came with me to every appointment all have to be there for it. And by the way, like a lot of people just like get a pill from their doctor, go by themselves and leave. Like my, this is just my experience. I went with them and he was like, well, you're too early, which like, by the way, if someone tells you that, get a second opinion because like what I went through might not have been necessary. Mm. Um, And he was like, you have to wait at least like a week and a half. We'll measure the embryo every time you come in to see like when you're at the point where we can do this. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck, okay? I have to go home. All my friends are at school. I like- You're missing school. I'm missing school. I'm beside myself. I don't know what to do. Like I felt so not myself. Like I didn't know how to leave the house and have a normal conversation with anyone. I couldn't think of anything else. And I had to wait for like a week. And it was probably 10, maybe 12 days total. And I was having like all those early symptoms of pregnancy, you know, just like nauseous and my boobs hurt like crazy. And I was just like fucking tired all the time. And it felt so weird because I also felt like connected to something that I had Mm. never felt connected to before. Like Mm -hmm. that there was someone, like I said, someone in there with me that like 
suddenly that my world had this new sun in it. It felt mm. like it felt like there was just something that I couldn't avoid and I felt like a bond, you know, in a weird way. I just felt pregnant. I don't know. It's weird. And I also like I feel things. That's me. I yeah, just yeah. I blame it on whatever, but I just do. So that week and a half or whatever it was was torturous. It might have been two weeks. But anyway, he finally told me, okay, we can do it. So during that last appointment, my mom asked the doctor, she was like, can Jade be put under? Because I don't think my mom would mind me saying this. My mom had an abortion when she was younger and she was put under Mm -hmm. like a lot of women are. And my doctor was like, no, I don't want an anesthesiologist. If if we have an anesthesiologist, we have to do this in a surgical center or in a hospital. And I don't want people knowing that I'm doing this operation. So we're going to do it in my office. And I can't have, I, I guess some people can have anesthesiologists come to their office. He just was like, no. And at that point, I was so young. And I think all of us, like I think as women, we just feel sometimes... It doesn't matter if he was a man, but we just felt like we were asking him to do something he didn't want to do. And he was like our only option, you know, because we felt like, oh, my God, this must be so shameful to ask someone to do because that that was the tone, you know. So I felt so there was no chance I was going to argue that or say, like, I need that or I. You've never been through it before. No. And I felt so guilty. I just felt like, (sighs) fuck, this is my fault, you know, and everyone told me otherwise. And. But I didn't listen. I couldn't. Mm. I I didn't penetrate. It just Mm -hmm. never. I felt so badly. And I felt like the doctor was ashamed that he was even doing it for me. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to get too graphic with the details about the actual surgery because it's like nauseating. But basically, he gave me like this pill that was like supposed to make my uterus like start contracting or I don't know, some weird thing. So I took the pill, went home, came back a few hours later And I was awake and he gave me like a small dose of Valium and Mm. I didn't feel it at all. I was like so – my heart was pounding. Like you just look at the stirrups and you look at the machine and you're just shook and you don't – you know, someone's like going up into a very – like no one likes to get even like a pap smear, you know. So I was just like, fuck, okay. And I just remember looking at the stirrups and saying, can we get a nurse in here? Like I think I'm going to faint. And it was me, my mom – my sister and Dylan still in the room. It was like I was giving birth. But like, so my sister and Dylan were like, okay, we're going to like go into the waiting room because there are too many people in here. And I was so hot. I was like, I broke into a crazy sweat. Like I'd never had a panic attack before in my life. And it was like my first panic attack. So, I mean, even with the Valium, like it didn't matter. That Valium didn't do fucking anything for me. I just was like, my nervous system was through. Yeah. So then I, you know, I, whatever, I calmed down. Maybe the volume did help a little bit. I calmed down and I sat in the stirrups and I said to the doctor, where does it go? Hmm. And he said, it goes into that machine. And it's so weird to admit now, but I felt protective is, I guess, the only yeah. word I can really think of. I felt like, what the fuck? Like, should I... Should I ask, like, if I can, you know, like, you just, it's, you know, maybe the size of a poppy seed. I don't really know. I haven't really looked into what size it was. But you just feel like it meant so much more to me than just something that should be hazardous. I remember the machine said hazardous waste. Huh. And I was like, fuck. Okay. You know, you have to, like, take the emotional side out of it. You, like, and I, I was like, and I can take the emotional side out of nothing. You know, so I run on emotions. So 
it was so hard for me to detach and be like, this could have been a person. Now it's going to be, I was like, you know, it was all overdrive. Mm. And I just went on fire and then it was over, you know, and I remember the sound and I remember all of it. And unfortunately, then it was over and I went home and I remember feeling lonely. Mm. I was nothing but taken care of. I had everyone that couldn't have been more incredible and but I was so lonely and I felt violated in a weird way, mm-hmm. I think, because I had I'd never had something like I'd never been so scared of a vaginal of something having having to do with my you right. know what I mean? Like it was right. just it felt like doing something I didn't want to do, you know, yeah. but I had to and, you know, wanted to in some yeah. in some capacity. And I felt just like, fuck, whoa, I have seen something that my friends have not seen. I was like, I Mm. have a new sense of reality that I have never, I mean, how do I just talk to them about getting our nails done ever again? You know, I never thought that I'd be able to unsee it. I never, and it's so funny because some people don't, I mean, I don't know if funny is the right word, but so many people don't have that kind of experience. So many Mm -hmm. people are like, don't have the emotional attachment, don't feel weird or like, you know, take the pill and have the abortion at home and have a different experience. But for me, it was so heavy. And I was so in love with Dylan also. I mean, I am, but you know, like yeah. it just felt like, oh, okay. Like that, that's a weird feeling that was hard for me to reconcile because I wanted, and I was like, there were, there was no two ways about it. I had to have, you know, I couldn't look my dad, you know, I wasn't going to walk down the graduation aisle or whatever it was yeah. you know, pregnant. But at the same time, I was so conflicted because you just feel like you have to play God and you're like, fuck, why me? You know, mm-hmm. like, and even like throughout those two weeks, like he kept being like, nope, no miscarriage. Like she, everyone was hoping for a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And like, there was something in me that was like, not hoping for a miscarriage, mm-hmm. you know, like there was that shift from the moment in the hospital to like, then when I finally started getting ultrasounds, it was just, it was too real, you know, it was way too real anyway. So what's really weird about that is I'll get into like the aftermath, but what's crazy is, and kind of gross is that doctor, I had to bring cash to a couple, like before I left for school again, I had like a couple of weeks of like downtime and missing school. And then when I, before I went back, I had to bring cash over in an envelope Ugh. to like his big fancy house. And oh um, God, it just felt so like, what the fuck? Like I, we have the best doctors ever in LA. Like I feel like I have nothing but access. My mom, it's not like I did it in, like without my parent or, right. but I think there's just also this inherited shame that she probably felt and- she couldn't have been more incredible to go through it with, but we just didn't know. There wasn't a blueprint for this. No. There wasn't a manual, so no. we didn't know how to do it. But I just felt like, oh, my God, I have just asked my doctor to do the most, like, shameful thing, and fuck me. You know? I just yeah. was like and, – and then what was so crazy is, like, not – okay, that was enough. You know, feeling that shitty was enough. But then – because basically when you're pregnant, your uterus and hormones and everything, you go from like the Garden of Eden with like nothing but like nourish. You know what I mean? You're trying to yeah. make a baby. So like you're – All those you're, hormones. All those all juicy those hormones. Yes. Yes. And then basically when you have an abortion, they – I don't want to say that this is like kind of grotesque, but they get everything out of there. That's the nicest the lining, thing I can see. Yeah. All the, yes. Mm-hmm. Everything. Mm-hmm. So you go from, like, the Garden of Eden to, like, even lower than you would be on a normal sure. basis. You yeah. know, you are just, like, it's Empty. a desert in there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
my nervous system went bananas. I mean, on one hand, it's kind of nice because maybe I'll have like, maybe that's an indication that I might struggle with postpartum after I have birth or when I'm pregnant. And that's something that, you know, I can put parameters into place. So I, you know, make sure I'm okay. But I'm just trying to find this silver lining, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I started having panic attacks every single day. When did they start? Like how soon afterward? Uh, I ran like on a permanent panic attack for mm. a little while. Like not like, a, like just like a, you know, just mm-hmm. like very shallow breathing probably for like two weeks. But then like it was so crazy. Like the heart pounding, the immediate drenched from like head to toe. Mm. Like that probably started like two and a half weeks later. I'll never forget. It actually happened for the first time at Dylan's brother's rehearsal dinner. Oh, jeez. So you're like trying to do normal life stuff mm-hmm. and like – Mm-hmm. And I just, I just got boom, like soaking wet. Like my appetite went away. My mouth got dry. And this is the extent to which it was just horrific. It was like I'm at a restaurant and I yeah. laid on the public bathroom floor. Like oh just like I, 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 it felt cool and I like couldn't breathe. And I thought I was having a heart attack. Oh my God. So I thought I must be having like food poisoning or something. It was such a weird feeling. So I didn't tell anybody. And I just was laying there on this disgusting public restroom floor by myself for like 20 minutes. And I was obviously like so embarrassed that it was happening at this important family event. So I just didn't want to trouble anyone. So I just laid there and it was one of many that followed. So that was weird. But I just was, I lost control of my body. I started having the worst panic attacks in the world. And I was just so afraid that I would have a panic attack if I did anything. Like, I was like, okay, what if I have one on the plane? What if I have one? Yeah. They were so debilitating and so intense that it almost, like, wasn't even – it wasn't rooted in anxiety even. It was, mm. like, a physical response. Like, it was yeah. just – it was. It felt purely physical almost. Like, yeah. it was like, whoa, I've lost control of the ship. Like, I am just – it was so exhausting and so scary because I'd never had – I probably did struggle with mental illness before, but it was it was news to me, you know, yeah. so, but it was just yeah. it it was lit on fire, you know. Well, and you know, I think we have this false concept of our emotions and our physical body being separate. It's all interconnected. It's totally. all to and your emotions can affect your body in a physical way and your physical body can affect your emotions and People forget that it's like it's a physical thing. It's a totally. physical change. Totally. And my body, you know, it's so funny is I forgot this part of the story, but honestly, it must have been like five days after my abortion. I all my friends were going to Vegas for like a spring break, something yeah. or other. And I like couldn't miss it. And so I was like dragged my ass there. Like my oh eyes, my like God. in pictures are like so bloodshot, but my body looks different. Like my body had started to like move around huh. and like I don't know. It was. It's just. It's just crazy because like my priorities at that age were like get to the pool party and I'm like now I'd so much (laughs) rather die. But then it was important to me. So anyway, I went back to school. I was like, you know, my friends are so fucking incredible. I have the best friends from college, and Dylan was so incredible. Everyone like let me fully melt into them and like need them. And I tend to be sort of an island like when I'm dealing with things. But like I feel like in that that moment they were all really understanding Mm. about like me feeling different. Like something had shifted in me. But the panic attacks were definitely like made me like a prisoner. I'd never – when my friends told me they had panic attacks in the past, I was like, relax. You know what I mean? I was like, let me just like stop (laughs) thinking about it. Like I really didn't understand that it was – Calm down. Truly. I didn't understand that it could be this physical. I didn't Mm -hmm. understand that it could – 
happen out of me not thinking of something stressful at all. Like right. it just was happening nonstop. Like I don't know what it was, but I just couldn't get a hold of it. So I did like a combination of like I had Xanax for panic attacks, but I was having them all the time. So it wasn't right. really like helpful. And I had like estrogen gel like that yeah. I would put like on my underarms and stuff that did mm-hmm. like help me like kind of feel like, okay, whoa, I can I have my footing again. I don't know how I'm such a placebo freak. You guys, like yeah. <laughs> that is the truth. Yeah. I'm so the placebo effect runs deep in my DNA. So I don't know what that you know how much of it was placebo and real. But I started to, you know, be able to at least pretend like my life was better, like before I mm-hmm. couldn't. So, you know, from then on, I kind of tried to outrun it and I, you know, did everything to avoid talking about it. I was ashamed. I wanted to pretend like it didn't affect me because I saw no representation of anyone that had ever been Mm -hmm. affected in the way that I was. You know, I felt like I'd almost like had a disproportionate reaction to the situation is like how I felt. I was like, why do I feel this more than other people? Why do I look at the ultrasound pictures? Why... Like, I wrote a letter to the soul or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I felt like I, – I felt so incomplete, you mm. know? I felt like I missed it, you yeah. know? And I didn't know it, but it felt like I did in a weird way. Yeah. And it was so profound and something that I was – I mean, I get some people have abortions at younger ages. It was just, like, overwhelming for me. It mm. felt so sobering and so – Like, I couldn't unsee it, and I couldn't get it out of my head. And I lived like that probably for four years, five Mm. years. Yeah, like, just really trying to – I was forced to confront it. My life started falling apart for, like, the following couple years. And I was just so painfully depressed. And I couldn't get out of bed. And But at the same time, on the surface, I was, like, succeeding at work. But I wasn't. Like, I I just – my relationship suffered. Like I couldn't be a friend or a sister or uh, anything to anyone. I didn't have any energy in me. And I don't think like that's necessarily like if you have to have an abortion, like that's not, doesn't have to be in the cards. You know, that doesn't have to be the way it goes. Yeah. You know, I think that's important. And it's important for me to remember too, because even now when I have those scares, because everyone does, If that had to happen again, I know better. There's more resources out there. There are more stories out there of people saying, like, these are your options. These are the ways in which, like, that is one way in which all that, everything that's happening politically, like, that's the only silver lining, honestly, is that, like, it's making people come out of the shadows a little bit and, like, making people share their experience so that people know what their options are so they can advocate for themselves and, you know, make it a little easier than it is. Yeah. It's not, it's the hardest fucking thing in the world and it doesn't need to be made harder, um, quite frankly. Right. But um, I think it's important for everyone to know that like, you know, looking back or, you know, if I dealt with this moving forward, there are really incredible doctors out there. There are like trauma gynecologists and mm. Um, people that if you've had an abortion and you have some trauma, like, and you're like, I don't want to go back to the gynecologist, there are people that'll make it easier on you. Mm, Or there are mm -hmm. people that, you know, you can shop around and don't feel like you are imposing that you have a right. This is your medical, human, whatever you want to call it, right. And I'm not going to stand, I mean, I don't need to sit here and 
speak from my soapbox, but it's just kind of the stuff that I wish I'd known when I was going through it. It's like, it's not your fault. Like, it fucking sucks. You have to play God and break your own heart. Mm-hmm. And um, and it and it's painful the whole way. And it feels like, it feels like you did something wrong and right, you know? And that's a weird feeling to reconcile. Um, and it takes time, you know, it can take time to get over it. So I think, um, and I hope that if I were to ever go through this again, I hope I would have grace for myself when I felt like I should have been over it by now, or I should, you know, I, it was only a, you know, X many weeks old and I shouldn't feel the way I felt, but, um, it gets better. I know that's like what people say all the time and people are like, oh, fuck you. But it really does. And I um, I just hope that I think I really think that, the, you know, sometimes I this part is kind of weird for me to share. But I do think about the soul and a lot of people actually resonate. This resonated with a lot of people that read my Instagram post. But um, I think that I'll feel united with it again someday. Mm-hmm. and. Um, I think that was a big fear of mine was that in some way I'd missed a chance to meet someone that I would have loved so much and that I robbed myself of that. Yeah. Like, do I wish I had a seven year old right now? No way. (laughs) Fucking hell. You know, and that's where the and comes in. There's room for both. You know, you can feel like, fuck, that hurt so badly. And like, why do I have to do that? And goddamn you, uterus and universe and whatever. Mm -hmm. But then you can also feel like you sacrificed yourself almost for like the for a life for hope for a for a life that you maybe couldn't live with you just it's it's such a hard decision but there's some pride in the bravery that it takes to do mm. that and it took me a long time to find that pride and it's a weird pride it's not something that I'm necessarily trying to you know, hang on my wall, but you're not alone, you know, and I don't really know how to end this, but I just hope that you see yourself in my story and, um, and seriously, I'm always around like to talk about it. And like I said earlier, a hundred people can tell me that they've been through it, mm-hmm. but that hundred and first person, like it doesn't get old. That hundred and first person makes me feel just as validated and, seen and less alone as like the first person did that feeling never gets old so you know i think the people that have been through this we have a really incredible opportunity to make it a little easier for the people that come after us so whether that's just like a little sister in your town that you know who's going through it and that you can help out or if it's you know a bunch of people on a podcast if you can share your story, if you're at that point, and if you can make it a little easier on someone, um, it feels really good. So thank you guys. Thank you, Catherine. You're the greatest. You're the only yeah. person I would want to do this with. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing this with us. That was really, really powerful. Thank you. And yeah. th- that's that's all she wrote. I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.